Welcome to Our Calcutta. My name is Kelly Burt. I am a cradle Catholic who had a major reversion to my faith in my adult life. After having this encounter with Christ, I began searching for ways to serve Him. I soon discovered that our world around us, where our Father has placed us, is where we are called to serve. These are my experiences, and I hope that by joining me in my Calcutta, you'll discover a little bit more about yours. Hello, and welcome to Our Calcutta. I am Kelly Burt, and I am happy to welcome you all back for this part two of our episodes. We have been interviewing and speaking with Deacon Pete Pronko, who has come to us today to share a little bit of his story from, we could say, Arizona frat boy to Deacon in the Catholic Church. So if you haven't listened to our previous episode, please go back and listen before you do, because this is a part two. This is a to be continued of the previous episode. And so in the previous episode, Deacon Pete was sharing a little bit about his story and how he came from a Polish slash Irish Catholic background in in Boston, Massachusetts, and then kind of made his way to to Arizona State University and all the while feeling a call to be close to Jesus, to further a relationship with him, but not really knowing what that looked like. So when we left off last time, Deacon Pete, welcome back, by the way, to our podcast or so honored that you're you're here and that you're sharing your story with us. So when we left off last time, you had left the Garden of Gethsemane and you had flown to California and then back to Phoenix, Arizona, and you knew that it was time to leave your job and to kind of follow Christ in a different yeah. way. You just yeah. didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. So you're in Phoenix and you still have your group of friends that are there. I still got my group of friends. You know, I, I had gone back into sales because that's what I was doing. I was thinking, well, maybe I can go back and try to eventually get back into pharmaceutical sales. I mean, again, I'm like 26, 27 years old, but I was so unsettled. Hmm. I started playing hockey again. That was the upside. <laughs> I was playing hockey two, three nights a week. I started coaching. I, I love coaching. I love working with people. I always felt like something was missing. I started to feel. And so for the next two years, really, I was kind of going through the motions at church. I mean, at, at my job, you know, I was still kind of searching for a good church. I would go to different places. I try to find places where I could sit in the very back and nobody would know me. <laughs> so those Catholic roots were really yeah. deep within you of sitting in the back. <laughs> but, you know, it, it during that period, though, like, you know, I've always been a sponge when it comes to, to reading. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there used to be a Christian bookstore. And, like, you know, they knew me first name there because I was there, like, multiple times a week. Constantly reading, constantly searching trying to get to the bottom of God, which obviously you're never going to get to the bottom sure. of God, right? But I remember, you know, I, I developed some friends over here in Orlando through my other job, and we kept in close contact, and they kept saying to me, you know, we really feel like, you know, there's a place here for you in Orlando. There's this other ministry here. I'm like, I don't want to go back working for another big ministry. Like, no, 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 you really will connect with this person. I think you'd share his vision. And so it was funny. This was 2001. July, I flew out to visit my friends, and then I, I met with that minister here, and we had a great conversation. And, you know, I said to him, uh, is there something here? He goes, well, if you ever move to Orlando, I don't want to relocate you, but if you're here, maybe we can work something sure, out. Yeah. And my buddy at the time had a landscaping business, and so we just kind of left it, and I went back to Phoenix. My little brother moved out. This was amazing, too. My little brother moved out to Arizona. He was supposed to fly out of Boston on September 11th, my dad moved his flight up a week. And so he moved out 
Terry wow. a week before. It was amazing. So wow. he, he gets there and like, man, I'm like, this is great. I'm coaching hockey. I'm playing hockey. My job's my job. You know, I'm 26, 27, whatever. I, I'm getting by. Now my brother's here and we've reconnected. Like life is good, except I got this like hole in my gut, in my heart, where I'm just kind of like, I feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere else. And I started telling my brother about this. He's like, you're going to bail on me. I just came out here. I'm like, listen, man. I go, I feel like God's calling me, but I don't know what. And my brother's like, whatever. Just figure it out. Figure and, it out. Let me yeah, know when you figure do. it out. Let me know. And so finally I I'd made the decision. I'm like, you know what? I had some big sales. I had enough money saved up where I could live for the next year. You know, if I had to without a paycheck, my buddy in Orlando was like, come, you can stay with my family and us. I've got a landscaping business. You can come out here, help me out. I need your help maybe getting this thing off the ground. So Thanksgiving of 2001, I packed up my truck and drove to Orlando. And I'm like, all right, I'm thinking, all right, well, then, God, you called me here. This guy's going to call me the next week and say, you got a job, right? No. <laughs> wrong <laughs> i start pushing a lawnmower and i'm like and i'm it, it's just like all right god i can do this for a little bit right i'm doing a little bit and then it gets to be april right now i i lived in i lived grew up in boston right for the first 18 19 years of my life then i lived like in arizona for a number of years so i was used to heat i was not used to this humidity i was mm -hmm. like no way this is awful i mean it was i'm having the, i'm having arguments with god behind i'm shouting at god behind i'm like <laughs> you called me here and i like, love that the florida you know, humidity brought you to your knees with oh, god <laughs> it, it did it did i was going crazy and so you know i remember thinking all right god here's that i was like totally fleecing god i'm like here's the deal I got my old job calling me from Phoenix. They want me to come back and remanage these accounts. I got an opportunity. I got enough money to go back. I was like, I'm giving you till Memorial Day. Like <laughs> me, I'm telling God, like you got, got till Memorial day. day. Give him a deadline. I'm going back to my brother. I'm going back to Arizona. Forget this. Literally five days before I get a phone call. Oh, hey Peter, heard you're still in town. You want to meet over at Houston's for for dinner? So I met, you know, the old Houston's in yeah. Winter Park. So we go over. You know, I got there early. They were considering me for a sales position, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the owner and the kind of the head minister. You know, he he met me. Him and I, we got there early before the general sales manager, and we hit it off. You know, we were you know we were already ordering entrees before she showed up. Right. And he's like, I I want I want to hire you. He goes, I want you, I go, for what? For, he goes, no, I want you to be like my assistant, my right hand. I'm like, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to go back to Phoenix. <laughs> and and so I had a number in my head. And I'm like, okay, God, again, me I'm, I'm trying like everything I can to get back to Phoenix. All right, Lord, if it's, if it's, if it's not this amount. And I, and I picked like, a, it was, a, it was not an even number. Right. And I'm like, he offered me the exact amount. Oh my gosh. I was stuck. Right. So I'm like, all right, I'm here. You know, and so, you know, I worked wow. the next decade or so as his right hand. And but the whole time I was searching, I was reading, I felt called to more. And I was really starting to wrestle with I was reading the early church fathers. Oh. Couldn't name it then. I realized I was craving the Eucharist. Right. Right. Because you still were not no. back to the Catholic I was, church. I still was not back to the Catholic church. And then I, uh, I remember I was driving back and forth down Montgomery Road, and this was right after they had just finished building Annunciation, and I was drawn to the beauty of it. And I remember praying, like, God, you're not calling me back to the Catholic Church, right? I couldn't escape it. 
Wow. Like I couldn't escape. So I'm like, finally, and, and I was living over in Sable, which is down the road from Annunciation. So if I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to go to a Sunday, a Saturday evening mass. I'm going to sit in the very back row and no one's going to see me. And I'm just going to check it out and see, you know, God, if this is it, you let me know. Right. And so, you know, this is back in Annunciation. You have this big glass partition there and the knockback yeah. separating. It's so like, I'm, I mean, I almost got my back against the, the glass partition. That's how far back I am. I'm not wanting to be seen. At the time, it was Monsignor, our father, Caverly, at the time. He comes and he's like, turn and greet the person next to you. Oh, man. Right? This little old lady, who I have never seen since, looks me right in the eyes and says, welcome home. And I was like, oh, come on. Really? It was like a guy. I mean, I almost, I turned, that's when my Irish comes out because I turned bright red. And I started like, oh, really? And then, and then the mass, because, you know. By now, like I've had some Bible courses and stuff, like it, the mass happens and it's almost like it's coming alive. Right. The Bible. Like, from the Bible yeah. is coming alive right in front. I'm connecting all the dots. I'm like, this is where I belong. And I remember, so it was 2004, right? You know how I know that? Because hmm. the Red Sox won the World Series after 86 it years. It always comes back to Boston sports. So I was like, okay, well, you know, if it's <laughs> if it's if the Red Sox can finally win it, maybe it's time for me to come home. And so I remember I didn't receive. I crossed my arms, and so this was November of 2004, and you know they had a big reconciliation service. So I, you know my Catholic upbringing, I, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to reconciliation, and I remember like I. Um, I walk in and like the ushers are very aggressive in telling you where you were going to go. Right. And they start ushering me up and ushering me up. And I look up and like, like I've been preparing for like a week, trying to get the nerve up to go to go to confession. Right. Sure. And I look up, I see a red hat. I'm like, are you kidding me? It was a bishop. It was a bishop. Oh, it was it was a retired bishop that was down here, but I didn't know that at the time. Right. And I'm, so now I'm like shaking. I got caught in mouth. Got the guy with I, the I, mean, I had hat. everything I was going. And I get I'm like ah, ah, he goes, it's been a while, huh? Oh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and like I like you could see like tears are starting to come out the corner of my wow. eye. And, and but this this man, I'm telling you, he like walked me through. He goes, I'm going to go through the Ten Commandments with you. And he, he did. He did like a uh, an examination of conscience, which I'd already done before I came. But like, he's like, you just nod. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it just, wow. you know, it, but it was the most freeing thing. And I've been home ever since. Wow. I've been home ever since. I keep using that word, but there really is no it, other word. You know, it's kind of cool. So this was 2004, right? And and then And then I meet my wife the next year. So you were ready. And she was coming into the church. She had already been inquiring. I think what is so that stands out about your story, Deacon Pete, throughout this whole thing that has just, I've been noticing as I've been listening, and I hope our listeners as well, is that just these, these places where God was so present to you. And I think we can all find that in our stories. Mm -hmm. If we stop and look back, it's amazing to me, everything, the moment that you were an altar server and in the words that the priest spoke, you know, even though that was a moment of hurt, there was something in that that mm -hmm. stuck with you. I think that ultimately brought you home and, you know, all these other things leading up these people who were placed in your path and that were just Christ to you or just showed, you know, Christ's love to you all the way, you know, from the, the poverty in the streets mm -hmm. and, and to the garden. It's just an incredible story. And, and I think that's so 
uh, important to note that all of that led you and you were in this place and you had kind of filled that hole and then you met your wife. Yeah. And, and then your vocation was presented to you. Yeah, that, that, that came along. You know, again, like I always felt called, like called to God. But like, what does that look like? What am right. I supposed to be doing? It's just amazing how God writes straight with crooked lines. Right. Because, you know, really, it's funny because I, you know, one of my college friends remembers that this was back while I was still in the bar before this was stuff was even starting to get on my radar. Sure. But remember in the previous podcast, I said I was always searching. Right. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? I'm not right with God now, but someday I will be. And I'm probably going to be a deacon in the Catholic Church. Wow. And I don't say that to bring it to, but I mean, I completely forgot about it and they reminded me of it. And yeah. I was like, really? But they were reminding me back when I was working for the Protestant ministry, like, <laughs> oh, you thought you were going to do that. Look at you now. You're out there. With I'm like, nah. you know, but it, it came back to me. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, you know, when God calls you, you can't outrun the call of God in right. your life. Right. So now you're home and, mm-hmm. and you've met your wife and mm-hmm. ultimately married. And when did you begin to feel that call to the diaconate? I can imagine that for a while you kind of felt that hole filled a little bit with the with the sacraments back in your life and returning to mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. When did you sort of start to feel, maybe I should pursue this call to the diaconate a little further? I felt the call, honestly, my entire life. Okay. I wasn't able to name it mm. until probably around 2011, 2012. Okay. It was always there. Like it never, um, I think we hear in, in one of the readings this week about how from Genesis, how God brought everything before Adam and he had to name it, right? So right. until you give it a name, until you, you start to own it, you know, and I would say that happened in my life right around about, about the time we were in that discipleship group together. Okay. I had done the long retreat at Annunciation, which is a was a powerful experience, learning that Ignatian spirituality and kind of applying it. And it was through that process and through our discipleship group, everything that was kind of, it's like the perfect storm right. that I was finally able to name it. And then I remember getting an email um, from Father Stephen, now Bishop Stephen Park, saying, you know, hey, there's an information night for the diaconate. Would you consider going? And, and I went over, it was at St. Mary Magdalene, and my wife went with me, and she was the one that was like, no, that, that's you. You know, she kind of she helped me to put a name to it. Right. She's always been the one that's kind of pushed me a little bit because it's funny. Like even when I came back to the church, we stayed in the back row because I was still working in the Protestant world. And I kind of had this dilemma, like, what do I do? You know, like I don't want to lose my job. And then I gradually they became very supportive, the people that I worked for. Mm, like it was it, it almost became like missionary ground because some of the people actually became Catholic right. um, that were there. And. They had come from a, a perspective where they kind of had some preconceived notions about Catholicism, and I was able to kind of be a bridge there. Sure, you yeah. Know, which is that's another diaconate role, being a bridge. Right. And so, I was I was trying to um, figure out, okay, God, what, what you know, what am I doing? And my wife was like, you need to be a catechist. You need to start teaching. You you know, you know, I mean, you all you do is read books about this stuff. You're a coach. You're a hockey coach. You need to start coaching people spiritually. And so I found like, okay, I'll stick my toe in the water. So I started doing that. And gradually like that left to like another step and another step of serving within our local church here at Annunciation. So eventually, you know, then I got that email. I'm like, okay, this is, this is it. It kind of named it for you. and Kind of named it for me. Right. 
when you have something like that and you name it and you realize it's been there the whole time it's like a, it's a pretty that, cool moment that's an amazing moment for sure and what a freeing moment I think what I wonder as, as I was listening to you talk is what would you say to someone who does kind of feel pull might might be to a similar thing the diaconate but just really anything in general is kind of discerning that that voice that you're hearing or that pull from God of, of moving on is there any anything that you did specifically that helped you move to the to be in in the church back into the church and then also really discern your way into the diaconate honestly you know I don't want to sound irreverent and the last podcast we talked about how I, I named my spirituality a Forrest Gump spirituality <laughs> in that you know you just kind of show up and you keep moving mm-hmm. and God will either open the door and you step through it or he closes the door and then a new one appears. I don't want to like overcomplicate it because right. I'm not a complicated person. Mm-hmm. You know, I just get up and move and things happen. You know, I look back at my life and my story, you know, and I'm kind of like, I'm in awe of it. Like, man, God, like this has been like, all I'm doing is getting up every day. Anytime there's a chance to take a, a wrong turn, I take it. <laughs> I mean, I trust me, I, I, I don't make it easy. <laughs> but by the grace of God, like the new door opens and I step through it. So if you're discerning, like take the step, test the waters. First, pray about it. Right. Sit with it. Maybe don't talk to anybody about it for at least maybe uh, somebody else might tell you different. But for me, it's like other people kind of came and already saw it happening. And right. I felt it. Right. But I didn't want to I didn't want somebody saying, oh, yeah, this is who you are because I was talking about it. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? I kind of yeah. held it in prayer. I held it in silence. Right. And then people started to kind of call it out of me. Hmm. And that bit. confirmed that for and you. And that confirmed it. And then I took right. the next step. Right. Right. And then, OK, well, that door didn't shut. I'll take another step. Sure. And then another step. And the diagonal process is quite extensive. <clears throat> How many years did you spend in formation? I think it's six years total. Six years and a master's degree. Master's program. degree, yeah, through St. Leo's. I soaked up the educational portion of it. Right. Um, because again, like I'm a bookworm and I love, you know, I am kind of a little bit of a Catholic nerd. Like I love, right. I love this stuff. Yes. And I know that about Deacon Pete. When I first met him, he would be reading theologians that there's no way I could even understand what they were saying. And, he, and Deacon Pete would read it just for just for fun on a Tuesday yeah, night. Giggles. And I'm like, what? It, this guy's this guy's really got got something. So I can believe that you really enjoyed the formation yeah. process. Of the and that's the thing is it's a formation process. It's mm-hmm. not like you're going to get educated to do something it, it, it's a it's a it's working on the total person mm-hmm. as well as your marriage as well i mean it's not i think some people come in like i'm going to learn how to be a deacon right you know, you're going to get formed and you got to surrender to the process like the people you know i think the the most difficulty you have is when you're bucking against the process a little bit right and you got to let the process you know got in my life anyway it's always been a process with god and the more i can kind of cooperate and surrender to the process the easier it gets. But if if you're going into it thinking like, I'm going to learn all this stuff so that I can be this great apologist. No, because really, you know, it's a ministry of accompaniment. Sure. It's about walking with people, meeting them where they're at and walking with them to where they need to be. And there's no cookie cutter approach to that. There's no like one size fits all. Yeah. You know, when, when I meet with the guys in the jail, like, each person is, is different. They're in a different place, right? When people come to us in the RCIA process, right, they're all at different points in the journey, 
right? It's about meeting them where they're at and walking with them to where they need to be. Right. And I think just through your story too, there's so many people who have been that in your life. So I think that probably all of those experiences and all of those moments have given you that perspective that you can walk other people through those, those moments. I'm going to tell you something. One of my, one of my buddies from that group, that peer group way back one, Timmy, he said something to me that stuck with me and I've applied it really to most areas of my life. And it's, he said, you know, you always want to have somebody in your life that's a little older than you, a little more mature than you in the faith that's pouring into you. And God's going to bring you someone that you need to be open to that maybe is not quite at the same point you are in the journey that you're pouring out into. Hmm. You got to have an inflow and you got to have an outflow. Right. Right. Because otherwise you just become stagnant water. Right. You know, it's funny. I, I, when I was in the Holy Land, one of the things that stood out to me was just the geography. Right. So you go up north, you've got the Sea of Galilee and it's teeming with life, mm-hmm. like all along the banks. Like it's just it's full of life. Right. And then it it feeds into the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River up around the Sea of Galilee, like there's a it, it's, it's like a beautiful river. There's a lot going on. But the further you get away from it, the murkier and the muddier the water gets until it eventually empties and dumps into the lowest point on Earth, which is the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it, Mm. right? It's got an inflow, but it doesn't have an outflow. Mm. See, the Sea of Galilee, it has an inflow, right? It's spring-fed, right? You've got like the Golan Heights on the other side where they get snow and that water melts and washes down, Right. right? It's full of life because it's not trying to hold on to everything. Beautiful, right. yeah. yeah. And so like, we can do that spiritually too, though, because we want to be part of like a God bless me club, but God never just blesses you for you. Like, it's so you can continue to pour it out. So you can go out and you can be Christ right, to everybody that you encounter. But you need, to, you need to stay connected and you need to stay connected to other people too so that you can have an inflow and an outflow so that you can give what God's given you to others. Well, thank you, Deacon Pete, so much. I feel like we need to end it right there because those are the perfect words to end. And I have nothing that I can contribute that will be better than that. You've given us a lot to think about and to ponder on. Thank you for sharing your story oh, with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Of course. It's a beautiful story. And I know that the listeners will be very taken by all of the aspects and the elements. And we're just so grateful for you and for your time and for your witness of faith to all of us. It's a beautiful way that you're living your Calcutta, right in the area that you are. So thank you everyone for listening. And I really look forward to being with you again next time. And with that, we ask St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, pray Pray for for us. us.